The reading I'd like to share with you today comes from the Tao Te Ching. Can you coax your mind from its wandering? Can you keep to the original oneness? Can you let your body become as supple as that of a newborn child? Just be patient, Paul. I'll be right with you. Can you cleanse your inner vision? Can you see until you see nothing but the light? Can you love people and lead them without imposing your will? Can you deal with the most vital matters by letting events take their course? Can you step back from your own mind and thus understand all things? Giving birth and nourishing, having without possessions, acting without expectations, leading and not trying to control. This is the supreme virtue. Beloved, I'd like us to sing together our gratitude for this and all the gifts that you have shared. The words are in your order of service, and I'd like us remain seated to sing it through together twice. Together we share, and from this we live. So when I was about 19 or 20 years old, you know, back in the days when we still wrote on stone tablets, <laughs> I, um, for reasons that I blocked from my memory, I took my first yoga class. I detested it. I detested every second of that class. And if there had been a way I could vaporize myself out of that room, I would have done it. I can't tell you how profoundly I hated it. Even now, like all these decades later, when I think about that class, I still get aggravated. It brought up feelings that were so intense and so unpleasant that still there's a part of me that wants to block that, block, block that out. Now, in those days, yoga was not what it has become, you know, where you sort of have in every middle-class neighborhood, there's a coffee shop and a yoga studio. It was an esoteric practice that, in, in many ways, in reality, it still is. But it was, it was unusual. Um, for, you know, for people to do yoga or to know yoga. I hated it because it made me feel bad. And it made me feel bad for reasons that, honestly, at the time, I wouldn't, I, I don't know that I could have articulated for you. And I, I probably could think about it some more. 
um, in order to figure it out. But here's the thing. When I was growing up, when I was a little girl, I was actually a very flexible person, right? I had a lot of flexibility in my body. And that was something that I loved about myself. And to be honest with you, and you can probably see this, I kind of showed off a little bit now and then. It was a source of pride for me that I could do a split, for example, or that I could do a cartwheel without landing on my head. It was a part of me. And when I got into that yoga class, that part of me was gone. That flexibility that had become a part of the way I thought about myself just simply wasn't there anymore. And to be honest with you, it's never been there since. Every little bit of flexibility that I've been able to develop as an adult has taken a huge amount of, of really hard work. And it goes more quickly than it comes. When I tried to sit up straight and when I tried to bend my spine and reach the bottoms of my feet as our instructor was telling us to do when I couldn't, it physically hurt. And it hurt emotionally. It hurt in this place of, and I, I know it's not the end of the world and I don't mean to say it is, but it, there was a part of me that lost something and that didn't know what to do. The only thing I knew how to do in that moment, and it's something that I still will almost automatically do on many occasions, the only thing I knew how to do was to deny that this had happened. To hide it. My first concern was to hide it from the other people in the room, because, you know, they were all just looking at me, right? <laughs> but I had that need to hide it because if other people saw me as I truly was, I wouldn't be okay. Maybe some of you have had that experience. I needed to hide it from other people, and I needed, most importantly, to hide that from myself. Because it hurt. It was too hard to face. It was easier not ever to go back to yoga again and remember myself as that flexible person than it was at least in that moment, to, to face the person I now was and to face the possibility that I might never be that person again. Something was broken. Now we spend, and I say we, and I don't mean to speak for all of us, but I think it is a, a human experience. I will say, I know I have spent a lot of time in my life hiding my brokenness or hiding those parts of me that don't meet my expectations or other people's expectations. 
hiding that because if I hide it, as I've shared with you, it can be protected. And in that hiding, in that pushing away, I'm trying to the best of my finite human ability to feel whole, to feel unbroken, or to feel undamaged. When I learned that one of my children was not neurotypical and was going to deal with the stigma and the difficulty and the challenges of growing up in a world that rewards neurotypical people and punishes those who do not, I had the same impulse. Let me hide this. Let me make it seem better than it is. Because I don't just want to protect myself, I want to protect the people I love from what can seem like a cruel world. So this, in fact, was one of the sort of underlying messages. You know, we all grow up with kind of containers that surround us with, with ideas and, and preconceptions. And one of the top line messages that I received growing up was, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> The world doesn't have time for you to wallow in your self-pity. <laughs> the fact is, there are parts of that message that are really useful, aren't they? Right? It's easy to swing from extreme to extreme. And I had a little bit of a, of a talent or penchant, shall we say, for drama as a child. So it was probably good to tell me to suck it up every once in a while. The thing is, I, I heard that to mean you're not allowed to feel bad. You're not allowed to process the, you know, the pain and hurt that comes into all of our lives. You're not allowed, you can't take the time to do that because there isn't enough time and nobody wants to watch you do it. So all of that stuff, all of that stuff combined with all kinds of other messages, messages that come from certain religious practices that you and I are familiar with, these religious practices that tell us that we are fundamentally broken, we are fundamentally sinful, we are fundamentally bad. That's it tough one to overcome you know there's <laughs> there's not a lot of good medication for that one so these things interweave with one another in that part of ourselves that that wants to continue doing cartwheels in our imagination even when we can't do them anymore in reality I mean we can be forgiven for that right because an imaginary cartwheel is always perfect. 
At least when I imagine them, they are. I don't imagine myself falling on my head. <laughs> Many of us have sought wholeness in a lot of different ways. And I think the main thing I would like to share with you this morning is that wholeness is not the absence of brokenness. It's not that moment that comes when we've finally fixed everything that's broken inside of us. It is that generosity of spirit that sometimes we can find with one another that allows us to begin to embrace all of that brokenness. First, the broken pieces or the broken whatevers that circulate inside of us. And then by extension, those broken things and pieces that we see around us. You know, the people that drive you crazy are pointing out stuff that you don't like about you, right? I hate that one. <laughs> Almost as much as yoga. <laughs> one of my favorite teachers, the great educator Parker Palmer says, if I want to let my life speak things I want to hear, I must also let it speak things I do not want to hear and would never tell anyone else. If we never tell anyone else, it's very hard for those things to heal. I have to tell you, I've had a lot of time to give these things thought and reflection, and it's my spirit to do this, but I honestly believe that the reason religious communities, communities of faith, faith traditions exist, is to create a space for healing and wholeness. Not to carry out holy wars or holy vendettas or conquests in the name of one deity or another. They are, they are fundamentally here for us to teach one another and hold one another until we feel whole. That is to say, until we feel able to embrace all of it. Paula Goldade is a Unitarian Universalist. Parker Palmer is not. But she says, I have come to see that universal salvation is not just for all of us, but for all of me. There is no crevice inside of me that love cannot touch. So I'm going to invite you to do two things right now. The first is to take that word salvation, which may bring up all the stuff that yoga brought up for me, you know, playing golf with white Jesus. Okay, that was a little flippant, but. <laughs> but substitute wholeness. 
And then think of, instead of using, if that's uncomfortable for you, instead of talking about salvation, think of wholeness. And think of wholeness as being the birthright of each one of us. Each one of us. The second thing I'm going to ask you to do is to imagine for one moment, or maybe for the rest of this service, or maybe as you go through your week this coming week or the month, or I want you to imagine shining the light of love on all of you. On the parts of you that cause you shame, parts of you that wake you up in the middle of the night, the things you cannot fix, to shine that light of love. All of the people in your life who are a giant pain in the tush, imagine that you are inspired to do that. That's a beginning. That's a beginning that we can choose to make over and over again. Because we have to. Because while now I have done yoga faithfully for 15 years and nothing helps my arthritis more than that, I still cut people off when I'm mad. And I go, oh, that wasn't me. But it was. And I have to begin again, and so do you. So do you. You have to begin again. Because being broken or finding brokenness doesn't mean we aren't whole. Because being whole means we can embrace all of ourselves. And blessed be, and amen. As you leave from this place today, shine light into every corner of your being, especially those corners filled with longing and hurt. Hear the invitation to live in the light and the lightness that is love and compassion for yourselves and for all of our hurting world. Amen.